morning, uh, we, we have a real honor. Um, Todd, if you want to come on up here. Todd West is my mentor. Uh, he may not call himself that, but he is um, a mentor of mine. And, and I really think all pastors should have somebody that they can go to. Um, but he's that guy for me when I'm, when I'm walking through something, when I don't understand something, when I need to know something, I call Todd and Todd is walking through some, some difficulty with me right now, some, some things that I need to mature through and, and repent of and that, that kind of thing. And, and he's walked with me through that. So I, I owe Todd a lot of spiritual growth in my life. And today you get to hear from him also. And I'm really excited about that. Thank you for being with us. Uh, Todd's from where? Yeah. I can't, I, I want to say Greenbrier every time, but it's Plummerville, which if you went to UCA, I hear that's the city where they sent people to go get their booze in college. <laughs> but, uh, and that's, that's where Todd pastors. So uh, we're, we're really glad you and Paige are here. Paige is back there with Beth. Um, thankful they're spending the weekend with us. Will you help me welcome Todd? Thank him for being here today. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for you, and then you can preach to us. You got your mic? I got it. I got to get my Bible. Okay. Let's get that. Um, I'm sorry I brought a guy that didn't even bring a Bible. Um, I'm playing. Father, we come to you this morning and thank you for what Todd and Paige have meant to me and to Beth and whether directly or indirectly to your work here at the bridge. Um, I pray for boldness this morning for him. I pray for your words to flow from him. I know, I know Todd's not here to impress people. Um, he's here to allow you to speak through him. So that's our prayer today, that you would speak to our souls in a way that preachers can't. You're bigger than us. You're better than us. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it's good to be with you this morning. I love your pastor and uh, Beth. They're just a, a blessing to me. I uh, love being around Kirk. I, don't, I hadn't seen you this morning. I know you're probably here, but uh, there you are, brother. Love you and your precious wife. What a blessing to be together. We, we did a retreat uh, with them this weekend up at uh, on the Little Red. So it's been a great time together this weekend. I've already got to meet a lot of your people. And uh, actually met somebody that I used to pastor when I was in Little Rock at Oasis Church. So it's uh, just a great day to be, be here with you. Uh, you know, I wanted to tell you this morning that around, uh, around Arkansas, a lot of people are talking about your church and in a good way, okay? So just so you know that. But isn't it amazing what God has done here at the bridge in such a short period of time what the Lord is doing in this church. Could we just put our hands together and praise the Lord for that this morning? So I've had a chance to kind of walk alongside and watch uh, 
the full development of things and, and been around to talk with Dustin about some of that. And it's just been amazing to see what the Lord is doing in this church. Paige, my wife, said this morning when we came in and, and they began to play, she said, I, I just feel at home here. And so you're our kind of people, and we love just being together with you. So just a quick story on Dustin. So, you know, a while back there was a couple that come in and said, they said, Pastor, we want you to anoint us with oil and pray that God will give us children. And so he couldn't find any kind of olive oil, so he found some three-in-one oil and put it on their forehead and prayed that God would give them the children, you know. And nine months later, you know, at the hospital, uh, he gets a call. He goes down to visit. And, you know, he's a little reluctant. He's afraid, you know, they're going to be upset about that three-in-one oil and had triplets. And so when he walked in, they said, uh, Pastor, we're so glad to see you. Thank you for coming to visit us. And he said, oh, I'm so relieved. He said, I thought since I anointed you with three-in-one oil and you had triplets, you're going to be mad. They said, oh, no, we just praise God it wasn't 10W40. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> uh, well, that's the only lie I'm going to tell this morning, okay? That, that didn't really happen. But anyway, good to have some fun and laugh together, isn't it? The joy of the Lord is our strength, and so we praise the Lord to be able to laugh a little bit. In Genesis chapter 5 today, I, wanna, I want us to look closely at the life of a man named Enoch. And there are not a lot of verses about this man, Enoch, but in the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 5 in verse 21, God just kind of pulls back the curtain and lets us look into the life of a man that I think all of us are going to relate to very well. I think you're really going to connect with some things that you're going to see in this man's life. And so, in Genesis chapter 5, verse 21, something right away just jumps off the pages of God's Word. It says, Enoch, or Enoch, lived 65 years and had Methuselah. So, look at that. When he was 65 years old, he fathered Methuselah. And in verse 22, it says, and after he fathered Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and fathered other sons and daughters. So Enoch's life lasted 365 years. Now notice this, for the first 65 years of Enoch's life, he did not walk with God. But all of a sudden, when his son Methuselah is born, Enoch starts walking with God. Now, here's something I've discovered about my life and other people. I notice that sometimes significant events in our life can cause us to have a desire to start walking with God. So, for Enoch, it was the birth of his son. So, this tells me sometimes it can be something of celebration that will cause us to start walking with God. It could be that, man, God has been so good to me, and he's blessed me in such an incredible way that I want to start walking with him. 
So sometimes it's overwhelming celebration in our life that will cause us to say, man, God has been so good, I want to walk with him. The book of Romans says the goodness of God leads to repentance. So sometimes because of the overwhelming goodness, we say, man, I'm going to start walking with God. Let me tell you something else it could have been. It could have been that Enoch was so overwhelmed with the responsibility of being a father, he said to himself, I cannot do this alone. I'm going to need God to help me. Sometimes overwhelming things that come into our life can cause us to realize I can't do life by myself anymore. I can't handle this. It's too big for me. I need to start walking with God. And then other times, it can be something that is just absolutely devastating. Sometimes we have to face deep, deep adversity before we start walking with God. As one friend of mine said it years ago, he says, sometimes we got to get broke before we can get blessed. And this is the way that it happens a lot of times. You know, God is so kind, folks. He will, in moments like this, if we are in a place where we don't need to be, God will speak to us. And listen, he's long-suffering. He's patient. And he will speak to us for extended periods of time, sometimes through the Word of God, With the drawing of the Spirit of God, sometimes He uses people to speak to us about things. He uses circumstances. But listen, God will speak. But if we don't respond, God will begin to discipline us. We read about that in the book of Hebrews that whoever the Lord loves, He disciplines. So this is what I would say to you about God. He loves you too much to leave you where you are. He's got a better plan. He wants to bring you to a better place. And so because of his love, he will sometimes begin to break us so that he can bless us. So we don't know for sure what caused Enoch to start walking with God, but we do know this, it was an event in his life the birth of his son that made him say, I want to start walking with God. Years ago, I was uh, right out of college. I was working for Department of Agriculture in Stoneville, Mississippi. And folks, I had not been walking with the Lord. And in those days, you know how it is when you're not walking with the Lord. You're in the wrong places with the wrong people. You're involved in things and situations that are not lifting you up. They're pulling you down. And in those days, you know, it's so amazing how when you're not walking with the Lord, you you just lose sight of what you ought to be doing, who you ought to be doing it with. and, And you just, I don't know, man, it's like you just get lost in all of it. And you just can't see clearly what's going on in your life. And that was me. 
And the thing that really caused me to stop and think was a couple of the guys that I'd been hanging around with, they got busted for selling drugs. And man, I knew there were drugs, you know, in our circle. I knew there were all kinds of things going on, and I was a part of some of it. But I didn't realize just how deep in these guys were and what big dealers they were. But when they got busted, and I realized that the people who had been watching them had also been seeing me, and that if I had just been in the right place at the wrong time when they showed up, that could have been me. Paige and I were at the Varner unit of uh, Arkansas State Penitentiary years ago, and uh, we went in there. It was me and her and 121 inmates, and we're in the prison there together. And man, it was like a class reunion. I saw guys I went to school with, you know? And uh, we were catching up and hanging out. And when I got up to preach, this is what I said. I said, the only difference between me and you is I got caught, or you got caught and I didn't. But folks, one of the things I think we have to be honest about it's probably just about everybody in here at some point in their life was around something that was wrong. And if the right folks would have showed up while you were in the wrong place, your path could have looked a lot different. I get so amazed at church people. Church people can get saved and get their life right. And two years later, their nose is so high in the air. The one thing I never forget is where I used to be. Hey, I thank God I'm not where I used to be. Amen? But I don't forget where I used to be. He lifted me up out of a miry pit and set my feet on a rock and established my going and put a new song in my mouth. But God did all of that, not me. So I'm not where I used to be. But he began to walk with God. So what does that mean? Well, walking with God means this. It means to be in step with him. It means to be in sync with him. There's probably two groups of people here today. One of you would be in this group that you tend to run ahead of God. So if you're like me, I'm like, God, here's where we're going, and why don't you come on and join me? I got all these plans. I'm a dreamer. I'm a go-getter. I like to reach out there and go for it. I get up every day with that mentality and that attitude. And it sounds good, but the problem with that is sometimes we run ahead of God. We don't walk with him, and we end up taking a road he didn't want us to take. And we think because we're running hard and fast and we're busy, we think that, man, we're doing good and we just think that's a great thing that we're like that. But folks, listen to me. A lot of the things that have happened in my life that were critical mistakes was because I got out ahead doing what Todd wanted to do instead of what God wanted to do. And here's the problem with that. If you go down the wrong road... You have to get broke to get blessed. You have to turn around and come back 
to where he's at and start all over again, and much time and energy has been wasted. There's another group, and that's the group that lags behind. The group that lags behind just insists that everything needs to stay the same in their life. They, they, you know, they hold on tightly to where they are. They don't want things to change. And so they resist that. And one thing about the Christian life is it's, it's a steady onward movement. Things are always changing. If you're going to follow Jesus, it's not going to be on the side of the road. It's going to be down the road. And things change and things evolve and things don't stay the same. And so in that process, sometimes we can try to hold on too tightly to the things we have, the people we have, and the place where we are. I love what Corey Ten Boone said years ago. She said, I hold on loosely to the things and the people that God has put in my life so that he will not have to pry them out of my hands. So, when we're walking with the Lord, it's not ahead, it's not lagging behind, but it's in sync with him. So, if you're walking side by side with the Lord, he has your ear. His voice is clear. It's not a faint cry in the distance. He has your attention. You're there to hear his call, and to move freely with where he wants you to go. So Enoch, he walked with God for 300 years. And then the Bible says in verse 24 that he walked with God, and then the Bible says that he was not. Do you see that? It lasted for 365 years, but then he was not there because God took him. That's an interesting statement. We're going to talk more about that over in Hebrews chapter 11. I want us to read together in verse 6 and look a little deeper at that statement. Or in verse 5, it says in Hebrews 11 verse 5, by faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. See that? He took him away. There's a couple of things there that I want you to see. First of all, he was not found, which tells me they went out looking for him. I don't know, maybe where he was working, maybe at a family member's house, maybe someplace he often went to, but they went out looking for him and they couldn't find him. Because God took him. Now, it's interesting because there are only a couple other people in Scripture that were taken the way that Enoch was taken. One of them was Elijah. The other one was Jesus. But this word taken means that he did not face physical death. So, there's a couple of different ways that a person can be taken. Some of us face a physical death. But the Bible says that he was translated. And folks, there is this possibility 
that you may die a physical death. It may be that in your lifetime you face something and you die a physical death. The one thing we know about that experience is we don't know when it's going to be. It may be at a young age. It may be at a much older age. The Bible says in Hebrews 9, 27, we have an appointment with death, but we don't know when that is. But there's also this possibility that we could just be translated. We could just be taken away. And the scripture talks about that. In 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16, the Bible says, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. You know what could happen today? As we're walking with God, as we're living our life. It could be, as the scripture says, that the trumpet will sound. You know, in the Old Testament, when the trumpet sounded, it meant that a king had arrived. And on that day when Jesus comes again, the trumpet's going to sound. It's going to mean that the king of kings and the Lord of lords has arrived on the scene. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The trumpet will sound. There'll be a shout. You know, God doesn't always get loud. But on this day, there's going to be a shout. I just believe a victory shout. <laughs> I just believe like when the walls of Jericho fell down. I just believe like when Lazarus came out of the tomb. I believe there's going to be a shout. That lets us know the trump of God, a shout from the Lord, and the voice of the archangel. Down through the ages, angels have brought comfort. Angels have made important announcements. And with the voice of the archangel, it's going to be announced that Jesus has come for his people. The Bible says... That the dead in Christ shall rise first. Those who've already suffered that physical death, from wherever they may be scattered or buried, that body will be caught up. That soul is going to be reunited. There will be a new body to spend an eternity with the Lord forever and forever. The Bible says in that day that God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. No more crying, no more death, no more pain, no more suffering. The former things have passed away. What a great day that's going to be. And so we recognize that those will go first and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. I love the story. A little girl had been to church one day, and she was with her parents after church. And so they said to the little girl, they said, hey, in your Bible study group today, what 
did you guys talk about? She said, well, we talked about a man by the name, name of Enoch. They said, well, tell us about it. So, well, Enoch went walking with God every day. Don't you love the imagination of kids? Enoch went walking with God every day. And so one day God come to Enoch's house and he said to him, he said, hey, Enoch, we're going to go for a long walk today, so you better get your coat and bring your lunch. And so they set out walking, and they walked, and they walked, and they walked. And finally, Enoch looked at God and said, hey, God, it's getting kind of late. I better get back to my house. And God said to Enoch, you're closer to my house than yours. Why don't you just go home with me? Folks, you know what? I know for all of us, this thing of death is a difficult thing sometimes to think about. But for the child of God, it's a beautiful thing to be walking with the Lord. And all of a sudden, he says, you're closer to my house than yours. Why don't you just go home with me? And so Enoch, he was translated. He was not found. He was taken. But I want you to see something as we head to the finish line. I want you to notice this. The Bible says there in verse 5 that before he was taken, he did not experience death He was not found, and before he was taken away, look at this, he was approved as one who pleased God. That's a powerful statement. This is the thing I think people don't understand sometimes, is did you know that it's possible for you and I to live a life that pleases God? I just think sometimes people look at God as the big bully up in heaven wanting to break up all the parties. I think people think if you're a child of God and you walk with God, you can't have any fun. But the scripture says this, that the Lord God is a sun and shield. He will give grace and glory. Listen to this now. He'll not withhold one good thing to those who walk uprightly. And so look, you can live a life that pleases the Lord. And I really believe this. It's not as hard as many of us think. And so he had this testimony. He left behind a testimony as one who was approved before God. The Bible says you're accepted in the beloved. He had pleased the Lord. And the one thing that you and I should remember is this. When we go to be with the Lord for eternity, there is something you leave behind. And it's not, your, it's not your money. It's not all your possessions. All that stuff's not important. The one thing you're going to leave behind that's the most important is your testimony. Here's what the Scripture said about Abel. Just up the page in verse 4, it said that Abel, though he was dead, he was still speaking. 
So about this man, here's what it said. Even after he had died, he was still talking to people. What does that mean? Well, it means that possibly the greatest influence you'll ever have on people won't be while you're here. It'll be after you're gone. I still hear the words of my mom, who was a godly lady at certain times in my life. I hear the words of mentors that I had 20, 30 years ago. Things they told me are still in my heart, Kirk. I haven't forgotten those things. So though people die, they still testify. The goal that I have in my life is that the words and the actions and the way I live will impact my wife, my kids, the people I've come in contact with over the years, long after I'm gone, still speaking, still making a difference. And the Scripture says this in verse 6, but without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Look at this statement. For he who comes to Him or draws near to him, must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Now, this is powerful. If you listen, say amen. amen. Come on and get in on this right here. I want you to see this. If you draw near to him, if you walk with him, if you're in step with him, if you're in sync with him, this is a requirement. You must have faith, and you must believe that he exists. Now, I like that. In another translation, it says, you must believe that he is. Now, I want to tell you something about a lot of people today, and even a lot of churches. They, listen, they serve a has-been God. All they can talk about is what God used to be in their life. 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. All they can talk about is what God used to do in their church. He's a has-been God in the life of so many people. Let me tell you something today, folks. God is not a God who used to be. He's a God who still is. I hear people talking all the time in our country about, you know, how God's not working, God's not moving, God's not doing anything. They haven't been to the places I've been. They haven't been to the bridge in Wynn, Arkansas, where he is, and he's still doing some things. And there's stories and testimonies about the miracles of God and the things that he's doing in the lives of his people. And I could take you around this country to testimonies of people and testimonies of churches where he's not a has-been God. He's a God who is and is still doing some amazing things. So look, if you're going to draw near to him, you got to believe that. You got to get settled on that. You don't put a, a question mark where God has put a period here. You just believe that He is. And then here's something else that He's a rewarder, He rewards those who seek Him. So, this is something that I heard many years ago that's so strong and powerful. A lot of us, when we think about God, 
We want God to do something for us. God, I need you to give me this. I need you to give me back that. I need you to take this away. And we just look at God as someone who can give us what we want, what we think we need, and get rid of everything we don't want. We approach him in that way. So if you will, we want God to reward us with these kind of ideas. But I want you to see what the verse says. He rewards those who seeks him. Here's what I can tell you this morning. I can tell you this, that the reward and the rewarder are the same thing. In other words, when you get Jesus, you got the reward. <laughs> Amen. I'm about to get blessed by my own preaching. Amen. Listen to me. When you get the re- when you get Jesus, you got all you needed. It's not Jesus plus anything. When you get into relationship with him and you begin to walk with him, he is the reward. And he says, I will supply all of your needs according to my riches in glory. He says, you walk with me, you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. When you find Jesus, you found the reward. So back to my story real quick as I close out. I want to tell you that in Mississippi, those guys I was running with, that crowd I was with, it it scared me. It got my attention. And a friend of mine said, why don't you go to church with me on Sunday? Just out of the blue, he said that. And I hadn't been to church in probably two or three years to a service like this. And I went with him. And sitting in that service that day, all of a sudden, man, I'm telling you, I don't know if you've had this experience, but it was like the pastor, it's like, it's like he'd had a camera in my house. You know what I mean? Just I mean, it's like nobody else was in the room but me, just talking right to me about everything in my life. I mean, I'm thinking that this friend of mine, he went and talked to the pastor and told me, told him, here's what you need to say. And when, when it ended that day, the service was over, it frightened me. I mean, it, it really, it really gripped my heart. You need to do something. And you need to do it right now. So here's what I, was, here's what I did. This was before Paige and I ever even started dating, ever even thought about it. I went back to the apartment where I was living. I left my keys to work on the table and left a note to my friend that worked with me and said, tell Dr. Lambert, thank you for the job. I appreciate it so much, but I've got to go. And I loaded all my stuff in my truck and got on Highway 82 and went back to South Arkansas where I grew up, pulled into my mom and dad's yard and got out and said, I need to come home. Well, you know how hard that is? 
for a 23-year-old guy, 24-year-old guy. I tell you, that was part of that breaking, that pride being stripped away. And I started going to church with my mom on Sunday morning. And there's a lot to this story, but here's one part of it I'll tell you. One Sunday morning, in a service lot like this, the pastor preached, and God just got a hold of me. And there was some two to three hundred people there that day. And the pastor said, if you feel like God is talking to you in your heart, just like Dustin shared a minute ago, he said, we invite you to just come and kneel here and pray. And folks, I didn't come to the service that day thinking I was going to do this. But I, I got on my face and I just said, God, I have made a mess of things. And I surrender to you. And not all at once, but that was the day when things started to move forward. That was the day that I ran back to him. I'd been so far out in front of him. I ran back to him. I got in sync with him. I began to walk with him. And God just began to move me forward in my life and took me to a place I'd never been. What about you this morning? Maybe there's an event. Maybe there's something that's happened. Maybe it's even just this service today that's grabbed your attention and made you realize, I need to start walking with God. Can I encourage you in a moment like this, in a day like this, there's an opportunity to make that choice and begin to move forward. And so I want to ask you for a moment just to, just to stand where you are and bow your heads for a moment. And Dustin and I didn't talk about what to do here in the service at this time, but I just want to invite you I want to invite you to pray. I want to invite you if you need to find a pastor or a friend and say pray with us. I want to invite you to do that. Maybe someone would just come and play an instrument or or something while we're doing this. And pastors, if you want to be around close by where people can find you, that'd be awesome. But this is what I think today. I think this is the most important time of what we've been doing here this morning. I love singing and I I love preaching. But you know, folks, prayer is what changes things. And Jesus said this. He said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. 
I'd love to tell you this morning, if you come and talk to me or another pastor here today, that we could tell you all the answers to your problems. But the reality is, man's very limited in what he can do to help. But Jesus is unlimited. And when you call on the name of Jesus, you don't get what man can do. You get what God can do. And today, you just need to find the reward. You need to reach up to heaven today and call on the name of Jesus. Just from your heart, cry out to him. Maybe you need someone to pray with you. Someone. And you may just want to go to that person right now in this service and and say, I need you to pray with me. Maybe families need to just come and pray. Maybe just a closer walk, being nearer to Him. And maybe today you've never walked with God a day in your life. I'll tell you that road of walking with God comes through His Son, Jesus Christ. The Bible says in John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. So right now, as our musicians are playing, I want to invite you just to come. And I'm going to kneel here this morning. Maybe you want to join me. Maybe you want to pray with other people. And let's just call on the name of the Lord together this morning. Just come on right now and let's gather together and call on His name for whatever the Spirit of God has spoken to you about here this morning. you this morning do you need some help in thinking through all of this and knowing what the next step is for you is there a friend here today that you could go to and say I I just need you to help me I don't know I don't know exactly what to do I don't really know how all this works I need you to guide me I need you to help me and there's someone here that you feel like you could go to and talk to. You may be sitting next to a stranger that you really don't know that well, but somehow the Spirit of God is telling you now just to ask that person next to you, can you help me understand all this and what I need to do? If you know one of the pastors here, an elder here, staff member here, you may want to go to them. You may want to talk to a family member. This is time. Draw near to him while he's near to us. This is the time to call on his name. Also think this morning, as I've seen at times in churches, that there are times where we just need to come and maybe ask a pastor, Could I get the church to pray for me? Been in services like this where 
Maybe a lady would say, I need prayer for this. And the ladies of the church would just get around and pray over her. The Bible says in the book of James 5, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. Maybe today you just need someone to pray over you, someone to pray with you. In a little while, they're going to sing and lead us in worship, but this is a time not to grieve the Spirit or quench the Spirit. This is a time to submit to the Holy Spirit. And whatever He might lead you to do, just let Him have His way here this morning. I want to tell you, you're among people that love you today. You're among people that care about you today. You're in a place today that's a safe place. It's a church that is all about giving people hope and finding healing and moving forward in that walk with the Lord. They're going to sing in just a moment, and we'll worship together. But even as we worship, I don't know what the Spirit of God would want to do in this place today. But there's freedom and there's liberty, and God can do what God wants to do here this morning. And so we just wait upon Him while they sing, and we worship, but we're free to move in the way God would have us to today. So while we sing and join in worship, Let's do that this morning.